Welcome back to Mrs. King's Chronicles, the podcast for the 80s hit television show, Scarecrow and Mrs. King. I'm Taya Johnston, and I'm joined by my very good friends, Lexi Fema and Jen Peterson. We are excited to discuss season four's Stemwinder 1, the only two-parter in the series. This episode was filmed two out of 22. However, it originally aired as the season opener on September 19th, 1986. We've got it as number two in our revised list uh, as well. The director is Bert Brinkerhoff, who we've talked about several times as he's directed seven SMK episodes in total, starting in season three with Utopia Now and Wrong Number, and five in season four, Stemwinder 1 and 2, Rumors of My Death, Do You Take the Spy, and A Matter of Choice. He is a director and producer best known for Lou Grant, Remington Steel, Dynasty, Heart to Heart, Magnum P.I., Elf, Matlock, Growing Pains, Beverly Hills 90210, and his last project was on 7th Heaven in 2002. The writers, there are two, Robert W. Gilmer and George Geiger, who, like Brinkerhoff, we've discussed previously. Mr. Gilmer has 38 writing credits, of which six episodes were SMK. His first left a lasting impression on our dear Lexi, Welcome to America, Mr. Brand, Fast Food for Thought, and Season 4's Stemwinder 1 and 2, Bad Timing, and Do You Take the Spy? He also wrote several episodes of Knott's Landing, Magnum P.I., Knight Rider, and interestingly enough, his last project was as the executive producer on the 2016 TV movie Wedding Bells, which also had Bruce Boxleitner in it. George Geiger wrote six SMK episodes, Tale of the Dancing Weasel, The Wrong Way Home, Stemwinder 1 and 2, Nightcrawler, and Do You Take the Spy? Mr. Geiger also wrote for one of Jen's faves, Hunter, as well as Baywatch Nights and Profiler. He was the executive producer of 36 episodes of SMK and other shows like Simon and Simon, Hunter, and Miami Vice. Getting into the guest stars, there are so many great guest stars uh, in this two-part episode that we'll spend a brief moment on several of them. The first we'll discuss is Vladimir Skamarovsky, who played Alexei Makarov. This is Mr. Skemarovsky's second time on the show, the first time he played Leonoid Godorsky in season one's Waiting for Godorsky. In that episode, he was a good guy, but not this time. This time, he's the baddest of the bad. He was born on October 10th, 1938 in Odessa, Ukraine, USSR, USSR. He is an actor known for 2010, the year we make con- Make Contact uh, in 1984, Fatal Attraction in 87, and Jag in 95. He's active with a project in 2021 entitled American Dream. Next up is Karen Copens, who played Sonia Chenkov. She was born on October 10, 1958, so exactly 20 years after uh, Mr. Skamorowski on the exact day. Interesting. In Connecticut, uh, she had several single episode guest appearances in the 80s and early 90s, which included The Fall Guy, Riptide, TJ Hooker, Knight Rider, The A-Team, Full House, Designing Women, and her final role in 1994 on Lady in Waiting. Al Ruscio, who played Rostov, was born in June 1924 in Salem, Massachusetts, and died in November of 2013 at the age of 89 in L.A., California. He was actually in four episodes of SMK as two different characters. The first was in season two's Life of the Party as mobster Frankie Columbus. He plays KGB station chief Rostov in season four Stemwinder 1 and 2, as well as the series finale The Khrushchev List. 
He had 191 acting credits, which include Bonanza, The the Detectives, The Untouchables, 77 Sunset Strip, Police Woman, Starsky and Hutch, Bruce's Bring Him Back Alive, Remington Steele, Falcon Crest, The A-Team, Who's the Boss, and his last role was in 2010 on Medium Rare as Detective Hill. And finally, we have Jack Rayner, who played Philip Dart. He is a returning guest star as well. He played General Mailer in the season three fan favorite Utopia Now. Mr. Rader was born in February 1921 in Los Angeles, California. His career started in 68 at the age of 47. So I guess that means I still have time to become an actress because <laughs> I'm 47. <laughs> Never too late. He's been in shows like Gunsmoke, Beretta, Heart to Heart, Trapper John M.D., Hardcastle McCormick, Simon and Simon, The X-Files, Chicago Hope, Seventh Heaven, and his final project was Medical Investigation in 2004. And that does it for the guest stars. In this episode, Lee and Amanda finally admit their true feelings for one another during the turmoil of being the targets of a vindictive former KGB agent. As far as the script goes, we have the shooting final dated June 23rd, 1986. And uh, there's actually quite a few little changes in here. Some meow moments and some aww kind of moments too. So um, I'll be sure to bring those up as we go. I'm sure I'll forget, but yeah, there's some good ones. There's some meows for sure. And then there's some hearts and some ha ha's too. Yeah. Finally. Finally. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Okay. The episode opens uh, with uh, a, a cute little pup who probably would eat us if he could. Um, And it says it's in uh, Zagansk, Siberia. Um, I've always heard, you know, people would say, do you want to be shipped off to Siberia? So I've always had this uh, thought of a bad place and very, very cold. And that's what it seems to be uh, here. He's got those, uh, that big Russian hat, very specific Russian hat. My, um, I have nesting dolls from Europe uh, that are all of the Russian leaders and so it's got Gorbachev. It starts with Gorbachev and then it goes down, you know, smaller and smaller. You know, nesting dolls, the little nesting dolls. Um, and they're yes. all the Russian leaders. And then the outside, when you have the big one, it has this Russian hat. <laughs> it's really cute. I think uh, I think it's an Ushanka. Oh, bless you. Okay. Oh, you didn't sneeze. Okay. Did you slip that up? <laughs> I sure did. No, she just she pulled gen- that out. No, she genned it. Right. I that. She genned it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was oh, gonna I be like impressed if you knew that. I know, I was I too. Need to that. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, Ushanka, Ushanka. Yeah, that looks like it. Ushanka. Ushanka. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. definitely that definitely looks like it. And he's got a big old coat on. He's he's got a limp, which they don't talk about later. They did talk about it in the script, but they don't talk about it in the episode. But he's got like a limp <laughs> there. It's. I love the shot though. This is really cool. It's like overhead. It's like they're they've got like yeah. a what do you call it? A drone flying over almost, you know, it's really cool how it's going through the building over top of the buildings and stuff. And they got icicles. And I mean, they're, it's really pretty legit. Especially with the barbed wire. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, And then he spits, he, he spits on the ground that he's leaving, like screw you, you know, like get out of there. And then there's such a contrast to the beautiful flowers and everything that's in Russia. Cause he's still in Russia now, but he's obviously in a much better place than Siberia. And he's, mm-hmm. he's definitely enjoying his food that he's eating. Uh, as if, you know, he hasn't eaten a good meal in many, many, many years. Mm-hmm. 
And then uh, a man comes up and he says, eat, Alexi, eat. There's more bread and fish as much as you want. Alexi's all business. He's like the dossiers. So he's just wants the information. The guy hands him a Russian newspaper. And then inside you see two files. And one is, is Lee and the other one is, is Amanda. Which he obviously didn't know about Amanda until just now, just recently after he's come out. Uh, because he was put in there nine years ago. Yeah, I have a question about that. Yeah. Because, I don't know, but um, I know the years don't match up, but um, does this have anything to do with the Rostov back in Saved by the Bells? Because it it would seem like it's it's the same name, and he did get put away by Scarecrow and Amanda. It's a different Rostov, because Rostov is obviously much, much older so I would assume that they just rehashed, you know, recycled the name because that guy yeah. was was blonde and like in the same same age as Lee. So unless they age really poorly in Russia versus yeah. the U.S., I don't think it's supposed to be the same one. I don't think. Um, not to mention he wouldn't be um, up far enough to be um, the station chief for the KGB. You know, if he were Lee's yeah, age. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of inconsistencies in this show. But oh, amen. But it does, it amen. does fit with, like, a vindictive uh, yeah. KGB guy going after both of them. Because, right. But I agree. It makes more sense that the name is the same, but at the same time. But this is, this is Makarov, though. Rostov's not trying to, is not being vindictive. You know, Rostov is the station chief. You know, he's not trying to be vindictive, necessarily. Right. He's just trying to, um, you know, get to his achieve what his goal, you know, which is getting the radio frequencies to Stemwinder. He doesn't give a crap about this personal vendetta that Makarov has. Yeah, I just, I wish they wouldn't use the same name. Yeah, it's, it's confusing. They use so many names. Uh, There's so many names out there. And I think what the, what it is, is they get permission from, it, it takes so long to get permission to use certain names that they're like, well, we've already probably, they're probably like, well, we've already gotten this one cleared. So let's just use this one. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's possible, I guess. Who knows? Uh, but he's given the dossiers and he's obviously a very intense human being. Uh, and he's very linear. He's just focused on one thing and it's getting revenge on Scarecrow. Uh, and obviously Amanda's going to be, you know, um, uh, fallout from that as well. And then here's a key, uh, certain thing, the, um, coin hand thing with the coin. I can almost do that on my hand with a, um, a poker chip. I've been, I've been practicing it. I can get it all the way and then it gets to my pinky and then I can't flip it around without a little bit of help, just holding it a little bit. And then I can start over again. So I've been practicing, but it's always, uh, with a poker chip. Oh, I'm playing poker. Mm-hmm. That'd be a good thing to do when you're working on a conference call or something. Yeah, kind of I didn't even think of that. <laughs> yeah, instead of my um, uh, my uh, fun little gadgets that Lexi got me, <laughs> um, <laughs> I I have a fidget spinner and then I've got another little cube thing and <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that I keep using when I'm on my calls. And somebody's always like, "What's that noise?" I'm like, I stop and I'm like, "Ah, oh, nothing." <laughs> I don't know. I don't hear it. It's definitely my my fidget spinner. (laughs) I think it'd be easier with a coin because it's heavier than a poker chip. Yeah. Um, Yeah, for sure. Well, I, my, um, when I, when I play poker, I have a, um, a card protector. So you have like 
something you put on your cards so that they don't take your cards thinking you folded or something. Um, and mine's a coin, a heavy, thick coin. So I use that a lot of the times. Oh. Yep. So it is, it, it varies between um, if I have that coin uh, thing or not. It's right here. Actually. Are you practicing as an intimidation tactic during a poker game or is it just a Do you, do you see it? Yeah. Um, so I can picture you at a poker game just like moving your poker chip. See it? Watch. So I can get it through. <laughs> Oops. See, that doesn't work so well. But yeah, it just, you, you kind of just, it keeps your hands limber and it keeps you occupied so that you could focus on something. It's just like a, it's just like having a, um, uh, fidget spinner, you know, except you're using, you know, your poker chip there, but I can't do it as fast as he is. That's really cool how that he does it. I would love to be able to do that. Maybe they had a casting call for someone who could like roll the coin over yeah. like that. It's obviously not those actors that are doing it. They actually have somebody who can, but that's pretty cool, isn't it? Be like, yeah, yeah that was my hand in uh, Skip Christmas King back in the 80s. I did that limberness. <laughs> yeah, like they have hand models and then they have like coin maneuverers I guess I don't know what you'd call that (laughs) this guy is warning him off saying you know we'll do what we can but you're kind of on your own once you go to Washington there's nothing they can do it they're they're in you know Russia uh, versus him being out in the open I mean if he gets caught he can get sent back to Siberia again you know so he's taking a big chance so that's how much he hates Lee Stetson And he's had nine years, literally nine years to plot this, which we'll find as it unfolds. It's pretty good. I mean, yeah, it's bad, but it's pretty good. About every contingency, yes, almost, almost, exactly. (laughs) He forgot to. uh, He ruled. He he uh, underestimated the the uh, housewife. Yes, and and not just the housewife, but the the bond the two of them have you know he yeah he probably thinks he's on his own and he'll be left out in the cold by himself and Mm -hmm. uh he couldn't be more wrong obviously spoilers um (laughs) but uh alexi does say that he has someone in mind that will be able to help him there in dc uh which we later find out is uh you know his granddaughter he's very cool looking like russian character we hardly have to see him much in in uh waiting for Godorsky, but here is just it's such a he's just so intense and brooding you know yeah I love how they have everything in Russian uh and the dossiers so it's Lee's picture and then you see all the information but it's all in Russian so it's nothing you can at least I can't read it, it it's kind of cool you know yeah it's it's pretty um authentic like it's yeah authentic exactly yeah yeah and then he's got Amanda's on there. Very cool. Now we're in Washington and it's nighttime and it's Emilio's, a restaurant. I I don't know about you, Jen, but I was like super excited. Like, okay, here they go. They're going to be dating and all this stuff. It's going to be so cool and lovey-dovey. And then it's like, oh, they're just slammed into more like turmoil. <laughs> they don't even get to really enjoy the dating life. We don't even get to see it because they've, they've already, you know, um, from last time we saw which was you know uh all the world's a stage season three's finale uh they had just finally admitted their true feelings for each other and then now we're already them mid-dating so it's kind of like it was exciting but at the same time it was kind of a I felt like we were gypped out of it you know what I mean like mm-hmm. cheated like we were cheated out of 
seeing that that um, dynamic. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay. Like Lexi didn't have to wait more than whatever she, when she had to watch it, but we had to wait, you know, a whole summer to find out. Yeah, and they just have this starting relationship, and then they have to go through this turmoil yes. in terms of trying to trust each other completely, which they do, but still, yep. I mean, in a relationship, it's a little different. Mm-hmm. And, and, and to this yeah. extreme, nobody's tested this much in their relationship, you know, that right. trust of is this person, you know, is he going to you know, cheat on her or, you know what I mean? And use Mm -hmm. the guise of, oh, it's for work to, you know, cover it up. Or can she really trust him? You know, is definitely Mm -hmm. uh, a big threat for sure. It's kind of cool. Anyways, we're in, we're in uh, the, uh, the bar at Emilio's and Lee's definitely um, antsy waiting for someone to show up. And uh, Norman, the bartender, is like, relax, Lee. She's always 10 minutes late. And he's like, huh? He goes, oh, I, you know, you get to know your regulars. And he's like, oh, we're regulars? And then he explains. So it's kind of cool how they do this because they're telling the audience that they've been dating for several weeks at least, at least because they've been coming there um, for several weeks, right? Five times in the last two weeks, he said. So it gives us kind of a insight into their relationship. Now they have a pattern. They've been going out and having dinner and things like that. So um, it kind of fills two purposes. You know, he gets to understand that they're regulars. And then the audience gets to know they've been dating for a while now. Mm-hmm. There's enough of a pattern that yeah. they're being, like, recognized. Yeah, too. yeah. Which is weird because they're... They're spies and they're not supposed to have patterns, you know? I was just going to say the same thing. <laughs> yeah. You're supposed to be like darting and zigzagging. Maybe, and thinking like, well, like what happened? Like how else do you show without dedicating several episodes Right. And they already watched season four as it is. Or right. Get me into it. Don't even how start. Do you, how, do you, how do you show that without... Yeah. Without something like this, mm-hmm. I don't think we can. It's the trade-off for sure, but it ends up biting them in the bum later on because then Francine yes. talks to him and finds out they're regulars and it's just like, mm, what's going on? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. and the picture, the picture that was taken, and all that stuff. So right, mm-hmm. right. So uh, Norman says, uh, "You get to know your regulars." He goes five nights in the in two weeks, same booth in the back. Salad for each of you, an entree you split, and no doggy bags. <laughs> he goes, you're regulars. And then he turns, thinking it's Amanda, and he has a big smile on his face, and then it kind of dims a little bit when he sees it's Sonia Chenkov. That's right, Sonia. He's not into you, okay? Back off. Yep. Anyways. <laughs> um, no. And she says something like, uh, you know, it's a shame to lose that smile. And he's like, oh, I thought you were somebody else. And then... Uh, they introduce each other. Now, in the script, it's slightly different and a little more catty. <laughs> so it's kind of fun. When Amanda comes in, he sees her and then they smile. They have a nice little warm smile with each other. And then she goes to call home. And then Sonia leaves. And T- Sonia, like, stares at Amanda, but it doesn't seem, you don't get the sense for sure that Amanda's looking at at Sonia, you know, like they're looking into each other's eyes. You know what I mean? Like um, acknowledging each other in in the okay. film in the film version. It doesn't seem to me, at yeah. least to me, that they don't. It doesn't. It's not explicit that they they've 
eyed each other and kind of, you know, checked each other out, right? But in the script, it says, uh, when Sonia gets up, she says, another time, perhaps. And Lee says, perhaps. Sonia turns to leave. As she does, she passes Amanda returning from the phone as their eyes meet, Amanda and Sonia's. And then interior restaurant later that night, the back booth, Lee and Amanda are picking at opposite sides of a plate of pasta. Amanda says, Five seven, gorgeous, with legs up to her elbows. Pretty cute. Unlined, non-specific contact opportunity. And he says, "Hey, this is Washington. A lot of trolling goes on." Off Amanda's look. She's obviously Russian, probably attached to the Soviet embassy, new in town. I'd say since I didn't recognize her. He shrugs. I'll file a D one eleven. The casual contact boys will have a look, come up with an ID. If she drops the line in the water again, I'll take it a step further. Okay. She says, okay. And then it says, it's not really, this is the script information. It's not really. Lee notices, offers Amanda some pasta. Lee says, know what Norman called us? Regulars, you know, and then they go on to the regulars thing. And, and then. Uh, she says, I'd love to be regular for a while. And Lee stares at Amanda for a beat. He says, me too. And we will be. She says, when? He goes, Lee doesn't answer. He leans over and kisses Amanda lightly. She breaks the kiss. She says, that's not the, she goes, that's not an answer. That's an evasion. Off Lee's smile, we cut to, and then it goes to the next thing, next scene, which is kind of cute. It's her calling him out like, yeah, that leggy girl. <laughs> young girl you know it was kind of funny yeah. and it, I don't, but it's like it's like they just um you know he's i don't think lee's a commitment phobe so to speak now that he's like with amanda mm-hmm. so i'm glad that they changed it a little bit yeah 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 um, so instead, what we get is uh, she leaves and kind of stares at Amanda as Amanda's on the phone. And again, like I said, it, it's kind of vague. It doesn't sh- tell us exactly that she's Amanda's seeing her as well. But in the script, she definitely saw her <laughs> and yeah. took into account what was going on <laughs> and what her inventory was. <laughs> and then uh, Amanda comes in and uh, they share that. S- it's, it's a very sweet smile. It's like. It's like a, it's like a caress without them even touching. You know what I mean? When they look at each other, it's kind of sweet. And also telling about how much their relationship has changed. And then she, Amanda goes and makes the call and then uh, she comes back. Her hair is definitely different. It's um, shorter, but it's also like pulled up in, on both sides and it kind of has more of a wet look to it. I don't, I don't like the wet look. I, I don't either. And it's even more pronounced in the scene later on when they're having the fight at Emilio's. It's even more wet looking. And I, I don't care for it. It's very, um, it's like someone cut her bangs when they were wet and then they dried and they were shorter. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, that could be it. Yeah. It's kind of a perm. Yeah. Perm yeah. Than yeah. Just the natural flow. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not a big fan of that. But anyways, it doesn't stay that way the whole episode, which is good. Um, but in the in the ap- actual episode, Lisa. I think I just got hit on by a Soviet agent out trolling. Really? Yeah. It's nothing to worry about. A file of 760. The casual contact boys will have a look and come up with an ID. Oh, you know what? Hmm. You know what Norman called us earlier? Mm-mm. Regulars. Regulars? Yeah. Really? <laughs> I kind of like it. What do you think? Well. I don't think we're regular at all. Ah, man. Oh, come on. Listen, 
We act like strangers at work. We sneak around and we invent stories about how we spend our evenings. I would love to be regular. Well, me too. And we will be. I wonder what Donnie and the boys are thinking about all these late night dinners dinner, uh, at their house. <laughs> Well, in the episode, yes. late, almost at the end of the episode, uh, Jen, she does, uh, when when Amanda comes home, uh, right before she goes upstairs to find Lee, she, um, Dottie says, these late night rendezvous, uh, you know, these late nights in the editing room and everything, you know, she makes a comment like they're getting ridiculous, you know, you're, you're constantly out. So obviously she's picking up that it's not probably work, you know, yeah. or alluded to it at least. Um, one, one major change in the script, and I'm not sure exactly why is in this next scene when they're at the, um, agency and they're talking about the single integrated operation plan, uh, the STEM wonder plan that it's quid, Dr. Quid, that is who we met. I, well, I know we had him. I don't remember if he was in before, but he was definitely in utopia now. So everybody kind of remembers him from then, but, um, in the script, it's not quid. It's supposed to be faff. The 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 ice cream oh, man, right? Yeah. So it's it it's all any of quid's lines are are faffs on the script, you know. Mm-hmm. So I thought that Everybody was interesting. I don't know. That's what I was wondering. But they're both mental health, you know, doctors. So I mean, I think they're both interchangeable. But I, yeah, I was just wondering why why they switched to quid uh, from. I mean, because this is the shooting. This is the shooting final, so it's pretty close up to when they actually filmed it. So, interesting. Yeah. Is he supposed to deal more with, like, the psychological, I don't know. Yeah, maybe. And also, like, questioning in a way, right? Yeah. But, I mean, they could have, I think they could have easily gotten in a way with it making, it would make sense that it it would be fact, though, too. Both work, I think. But, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Maybe he wasn't available or something. I don't know. Anyways, I just thought it was interesting. Uh, so this is, uh, we, we get first introduced here to Philip Dart. He's going to be heading the whole thing. And uh, he's the one who has the radio frequencies for Stemwinder. Um, Kate looks so pretty in that teal color. It's, it like really pops, I think. I, I'll, I have yet to find a color that doesn't look good on her, but it really pops on her. And Francine's jacket is a crime against all fashion if, in my book. <laughs> it's so 80s. I'm sure it was really yeah. hot then, but it is so 80s looking. I like the pink and the purple, but I hate the pattern and I hate the stripes. Yes. So. Yeah. Well, yeah, I don't I mind the, I like the colors. Yeah, there, I like the colors in a general stripes. sense of the way of word, world, but I don't like the, the stripes and the, no, it's not good. It's, not it's like her shirt, her undershirt matches her lipstick. Oh, God, I have to do it now. <laughs> Coordinating. Yeah. Wow. So they're talking about how they're wanting to give the Russians uh, a view into this. Um, and Lee's like, well, why not just give them the results, you know, of this testing? And they said, well, it's a mind game. Quid explains that it's a mind game, that they're the reason if they just gave them the information, they wouldn't believe it. But if they sneak their way in and can see the information, they'll know it's not tainted, which makes sense in a diabolical way, I guess. Yeah. So they're going to give them radio frequencies into certain areas to give them the information. But they're not giving them the whole show, obviously, because, you know, they don't want them having all that information. 
but they're you know they're saying they'll think they scored and and that's how they'll get it with, with these radio frequencies and then billy explains that they've each been assigned to different people that are potential receivers of these um, uh, radio frequencies. And Francine has been given Sasha Rostov, uh, the station chief uh, of the KGB. And it's starting to, it starts to say distinguishing marks and it says nerve. And I don't know if it was nervous, nervous, or I'm not sure what it is. So it's an interesting breakdown. And then it says health and it says good, but old. It really says that. And his yeah. eyes are gray. He's His hair is gray and his eyes are gray. And he weighs 170 pounds and is 5 feet 10. <laughs> we have his phone number as well. Isn't that funny? Is about his parents? It says... Um, oh, they died until they, they died. They were taken away to Siberia until they died. And I think it says he hated them in every way. Yeah. <laughs> And he went to the Soviet Union Elementary Military School. And then ha- he went to high school in Moscow. How funny. Born in Moscow Hospital. Isn't that funny? So that's who, yeah. uh, that's who Francine has. Poor Francine gets an old guy. And then Lee gets some hot, you know, young hot thing. <laughs> he hated them in every way, Jenny. <laughs> he does. It says that. I know. I can't believe that's in there. <laughs> That's hilarious. I hated them in every possible way. I guess that's good information if you want to dig up dirt. He was. I don't know. His birthday is on uh, Lee and Amanda's uh, future uh, wedding date, (laughs) their anniversary. Oh, really? February 13th, yeah. Obviously, years before, but yeah. It's kind of funny. Uh, And then. Billy goes on to explain to, uh, oh, he says, Neiman, you get Ivan the Terrible, and then Lee, you have a new kid on the block, Sonia Chenkov. Do, do, do. <laughs> <laughs> and Amanda's like, thank you, sir. You know, he's saying she can help, and he's like, thank you. And Lee's like, oh, <laughs> like, oh, shoot, what am I going to do? And so in the script, it's slightly different. Billy says, uh, What's the problem, Scarecrow? Sonia's young, attractive, well-placed at the embassy, and you know the peacock dance better than anyone. And Lee says, maybe, but the dance is a younger guy's game. Give it to Zeven. And then Billy, regarding the folder, says, she apparently wants you, Scarecrow. Your weekly report mentions three solo contacts, all at the same restaurant, a new watering hole. And Lee says, a place on the way home. Look, the fact is I'm too old for her. Billy says, too old? And... Then Faf, supposedly, why not use the age difference? An older, more mature man getting a little antsy, looking for a change. The Lisbon variation. And Lee Lee reacts immediately with some vehemence. The Lisbon variation, no way. And then we cut to the Q-Bureau. So, yeah, Lee's not, (laughs) Lee's between a rock and a hard place for show. Yeah, not not so good. Not so good. Well, Sonia's like little document states that she's in good health, so she he should have. Oh, I'm sure her. she's in good health. She says, she, doesn't she say later on she's 22 years old, which she actually isn't. She was like 27 uh, when she filmed this, so but they shaved off a few years for her. But she was, uh, yeah, she says she's 22. So she, hell, we all were in good health and at 22. Yeah. Right. No I mean, most people, I shouldn't say everybody, but, uh, you know, 
most of them. Anyways, uh, so yeah, Amanda's thinking, oh, great, we get to, I get to work on an assignment with Lee, and then, oh, this isn't going to be so nice, honey. Not so much. So then <laughs> Lee's just like, oh, God, how am I going to get out of this? <laughs> um, so they're saying, Billy then says that uh, once you get, uh, you know, a viable candidate, uh, you know, target, then uh, work with Philip Dart to get the radio frequencies, and he'll get you all set up for that. So then Lee tells Billy he wants to talk to him and then tells Amanda, Amanda, give me five minutes. She's like, all right, I'll meet you up in the in the Q Bureau. And then that's when we have the conversation. Slightly different. Him, you know, saying uh, this is a younger man's game. This isn't for me. And he's like, no, let's use it. Use it. And uh, Lee's not happy at all. <laughs> this has put him in a very bad spot. Yeah. Yeah. So in the script, this is where it gets, I have, I have some smiley faces on this one. I don't know if you guys can see oh, Yeah, a couple okay. of smiley faces on here. Nice. And aha, Lee's explaining the dance, the Lisbon variation and the dance stuff. He says, well, the dance is pretty straightforward. An agent either initiates or encourages contact with a target of the opposite sex in order to establish a relationship in which intelligence can be taken or given. She says, does that mean what I think? And he says, probably. But I told you before, it's business. And Amanda says skeptically, so much for the dance. What's the variation? And then Lee says, in the Lisbon, you and I pretend to be lovers. And Amanda says, I like the variation. <laughs> and then he says, but I've been losing interest and in the relationship deteriorating, which sets me up for the third person, Sonia, and makes my attraction logical, believable. And Amanda says, I hate the variation. <laughs> <laughs> and statistically valid for an American my age, the Russians are suckers for statistics. And then he goes on from there. I just thought it was cute. She's like, oh, I like the variation. Because in, in the actual episode, she goes, I can make the adjustment. <laughs> and then this, it kind of leads, at least how I'm reading it, that they were already lovers at this point. That's how I read it. That the oh, fact that she said sure. that she yeah. said I like the variation. She wouldn't say that if yeah. they already weren't right. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she says I hate the variation <laughs> when she finds <laughs> out what it is. I love that. So cute. And then he goes, uh, unless you, he says, if you'd rather not do this, she goes, no, no, I'm a professional, and this is just another case. And then a beat. She says, but how do you know where business ends and something else starts? And then off Lee's look. We cut to the next um, scene. So interesting. I it's I understand why they changed it to make it more vague for for the viewers, but it's definitely very telling that their intent was that they uh, let's get it on. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Little eh, 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 eh. <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge, say no more. You know. Anyways. So is it Emilio's then Lee's place or what's the deal here for, <laughs> for the regular events? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this is that scene I was saying where they're in the in, in Emilio's and they're fighting and it's pretty intense, but her hair looks really wet there. It, I don't care for it there for sure. But yeah, they're having a big fight. It's again, uh, she's, in the in the film version she's saying it's either you're too busy or you're too tired and or you're coming or you're going and she goes i'm sorry i would like to spend a few quiet moments with you alone all right he goes let's go to a club have a drink she goes listen he goes listen to music or something she goes oh that'd be quiet we could would certainly be alone wouldn't we 
He goes, it would be fun. Remember what that is? And then she leaves. It's slightly different in the um, script. She says, I'd rather go home. He goes, and do what? She goes, well, if you have to ask. (laughs) And he says, don't start on me again, okay? And she says, I'm not starting on you, but you're always busy or tired or coming or going. I want to spend some time with you. And then it goes on from there. But I just like that. It was like, if I have, if you have to ask, (laughs) (laughs) which is true. (laughs) What do you think she wants to do? Right. And then, uh, so then in the film version, um, she gets up and leaves and he's like, come come back here. She's like, nope, I'm out of here. So then she leaves and zips past everybody. And then he is like really frustrated and he says i'll be at the bar and and you know for the check wants to get the check and then norman's just kind of like what the hell you guys were so close before that was a pretty loud argument for a restaurant yeah can you imagine being there and that happens like oh i would be so embarrassed i would have been embarrassed yeah i would have been like um let's step i need to go i need to check leave the cash on the table no check needed have you have you ever like witness something like that lane and i and my sons and i all of four of us did and we were like oh you know we're like we have our backs to him we're like oh my god you know the guy was such a loser such a jerk but man they had a big blowout it was so it was funny and we're kind of like oh my gosh you know you thought is this like for real (laughs) you know yeah is john stossel gonna come out or something you know (laughs) Oh, the we, have some, we have some friends that are like that. Like we'll be out to dinner with them, and suddenly they're just going at each other in front of and you. And yeah, with <gasps> the kids there and everything, because yeah, with the kids are same age, and then it just blows over, and they're just fine. It's just like what just happened? Oh no! In public. Oh my god! Know, Not only in public just, with people you don't know, but your friends. Yeah, they're just like that. They're just they, they're very strong-willed opinionated and so they have to and then they just have to blow up and then it blows over and then they're fine wow everyone else is like can i follow to the table like this is awkward (laughs) yeah wow that's funny oh that'd be awful i'd be like i'm not hungry anymore thank you for ruining my dinner (laughs) wow yeah so lee goes to the table it goes to the bar to uh, get a drink and he asks uh, Norman for another drink and then he looks up and then Sonia's right there so she's seen and heard everything that's happened so you know she's young so you gotta wonder how naive she is you know does she buy this in the script she's definitely not as naive as she is in the episode and I'll explain uh, as we get there Um, it's little where you're like oh okay that's definitely a, a flip you know a different so I don't know if she's, but I think she, to me, she seems to be buying this, that they're actually, you know, in that, that, that fight was real, you know? Mm-hmm. So then Lee gets this shitty grin on his face, like, oh, one woman's out, but a new one's in kind of, you know, just kind of scuzzy. A new prospect. Yeah. Ugh. And younger too. Luckily, well, man didn't have to watch that part. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah, that's true. Luckily, they're very, they very wisely didn't record, like they didn't film any of the scenes to make us watch them. Thank goodness, because we have to sit through enough later uh, that we actually don't have to see them like getting all cute and comfy together. You know, when 
Sonia is explaining in the film version when Sonia's explaining to Rostov that uh, Lee had this big fight and, you know, she's saying the words were um, unimportant what he said. It was how he said it. He seemed very sad. And he goes, what was his attitude, his mood? She says, upset, hungry. Ugh. The relationship with the woman is troubling him. He goes, or so he wants us to believe. Now, in the script, she said she said something more similar to that. She's like, or he, that's what he wants me to believe. So, like, she seems to be much more naive in the film version than they had her in the script, you know? Like, she's gotcha. she's buying into... In the film version, she seems to be buying into everything he's saying versus yeah. what the script had, which was her questioning it the whole time. Mm-hmm. He probably didn't have to act that much, though, because I'm sure he was pretty sensitive to a man's feelings. You know, he could have acted kind of upset because yeah. he's upset. He has That's to true. This whole thing and- yeah, that he's worried about how she feels. Yeah, maybe. Mm-hmm. That's a good point, especially later. Maybe not as much just from that fight, the the staged fight. But yeah, definitely later he'd be concerned for sure. Rostov and Sonia are talking and Rostov's being the, the seasoned, you know, professional that he is and kind of educating this rookie. Mirrors upon mirrors. You don't know. You're only knowing what they want you to see, you know, so you have to really dig in there. So he's kind of trying to educate her as, you know, it's not. You can't just take things as on face value. You have to mm-hmm. really think about it. Um, he goes, one never knows what is real and what is not. I would like that. Having to play in. Yeah. And I've always wondered if that's what it's like to be involved with an actor or an actress. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Where they're constantly. I mean, oh, I don't like that. Anything mm-hmm. out. Right. So, you know, is it real? Is it. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Like when they kiss that person, it, you know, for their show. Because think about how many people, I mean, look at Brad Pitt and Angelina. Mm-hmm. They they totally fell in love on on the set, you know, and then he yeah, was married. Like, I feel like every part they have, they, you have to, like, in order for it to be a good part you, and to lend authenticity, they have to give a little bit of themselves. And yeah. it's like, how can, how can humans separate so much of themselves from the role and character that they're playing? Mm-hmm. I would not trust that. Yeah, <laughs> I might do well as a person to ever deal with that. Not to well, mention, I- actors tend, not all, but tend to be at least a little narcissistic, you oh, know? for sure. Yeah. Yeah, they have to believe that they're great in the mess because they're buying for these limited parts. Right. You know, like, yeah. like you have to believe that you're really good. And, and so how and do you have that? You like to, you, you like to be in the front stage. I mean, you, at some, you know, you might be a shy person, but a part of you wants to be front and center and have the spotlight. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So there's, there's yeah. a threat of narcissism. And I think I would think in most actors, if not all, you know? Yeah, definitely. Maybe a certain, you know, uh, level. And I'm sure it's healthy in some regard. And sometimes it's probably not healthy. Hmm. I'm sure maybe their spouses can tell, but I don't know. They can fake it pretty well. <laughs> Yeah, I yeah I I'm with Lexi. I don't think I could. I'd be like, are you acting right now? Like, <laughs> I I could never even watch their work. Like, God forbid. Oh my gosh, the, uh, that's scene. Oh my god, I would I would just oh that be would crushed. be I would awful. die. 
I could never do it. It's it's like causing me anxiety. <laughs> Calm down. Your so significant other is not an actor. You don't have to worry about it. Calm down. You're good. I don't even have, that's, <laughs> that's how much I know it would affect me because I don't even have one right now, and it would just devastate me. Oh, uh, that yeah, that would and be. I think if you knew them before they were actors too, it would be different. You know, it would be worse because you have all that history right. together. Which yeah, you and you're still too. having to watch them. And you oh, know, yeah, and you know how you it is. You pick up on their real traits, though, first, and then they start acting. That would help me a little bit. I don't know. Yeah. It would be a detective's game. It's, that's a lot. A, a, a relationship is hard enough work. Then to add in that complexity, that's too tiring. I, I, I'm with Lex. I would be like, no, no I uh, that's too much for me. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh And then if you were one, too, oh, my gosh, the just that'd be chaos for sure that's a lot of people in a yeah in a yeah really. like excellent that's, point that's a lot of people yeah that is Maybe that's why they never work out it seems like yeah. I, a lot yeah, of them don't when they do work out it seems like one takes the back seat to the other yes. you know the or ones that do in industry right but i'm saying the ones that are both in the same field you know and both in mm-hmm. acting it's like one's way more like you have Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson, right? She's definitely not anywhere close to his level, right? But she still acts, right? Hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, you I have, can see what you're saying. Yeah. I, I honestly didn't know that she acts, so that probably oh, ends. The reason I thought of it, uh, we I saw um, just recently an old SVU, and she was on there. It was oh, okay, freaking one. Yeah, and, and I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. She does act. Every once in a while, she's not like, you know super prolific or anything like that but sure. um but she definitely it's, does you know it's probably a bias of mine but i wouldn't necessarily wor- worry about tom hanks as opposed to like crack <laughs> <laughs> wow Just, and the roles that they play are totally different you know he's always playing this sexy character so yeah i'd be like but even still, Tom Hanks has had, it's even, it's not even just the sex scenes, it's like the emotionally charged, like, like I think about him in Forrest Gump, like, he was not a sexy character in that, but if I saw him with um, whoever the main girl is, I would still be, I would still be upset about with it. With Janie? That was <laughs> yeah, uh, Robin yeah. Wright. That was Robin Wright Penn. Well, now Robin Wright. Yeah. What if you saw him with his volleyball and cast <laughs> 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 that's awesome that's so funny wow so we've learned that i'm just a jealous angsty well bitch. no but you know what you you know where to yeah. stay away from you I'm know limits, yeah for sure, for sure. Yep. you want an older guy who's not an actor <laughs> <laughs> them away from what they're you know then they're going to be worried about that instead of dealing with you know the character they're, they're supposed to be you know what i mean so yeah. that would be that would be hard about actors and i'm just talking in her life you're talking about an older guy it's not actor. i'm like yeah i mean <laughs> um it can happen in any everyday relationship yeah right? for yeah. sure for sure so mm. creepy creepy make creepy. sure you tell him all that stuff lexi so <laughs> You think There's a reason why I'm, I'm happily single. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
<laughs> yeah, they say, you know, the, the more single, the longer you're single, the more picky you become because you're happy by yourself. I'm happy. I'm yeah, thrilled. you're happy by yourself. So it would take anyone. somebody pretty freaking amazing to then have to make you make some adjustments in how you live. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I don't. No, yeah. So true. Yeah. It's so true. The older I get them where I'm like, I don't want to change anything yeah. about my life. Yeah. Like, I don't want to compromise anything. Yeah. And, and you shouldn't, you I shouldn't compromise in that way. You know what I mean? You shouldn't compromise in the way, in the sense that you're not getting everything that you want. You so, somebody who so adds that. to your current, not compromising or taking away from, which always seems to be, my neighbor was like that. She was like an older lady. She's, I'm dating, but I'm holding out. If he's not adding to my life, nope. And I totally respect that. It's so true. Yeah, it is. My sister-in-law was like that. She was, uh, she was married to my brother and then they got divorced and she was single for a long time. And I, and she would go on vacation by herself and she Mm -hmm. had no problems going to dinner by herself and movies by herself or anything, which I thought was awesome because not everybody Mm -hmm. does that, you know? And, uh, and then, but she did find somebody and they got married and she's happy and, you know, so it's all good. Yeah. She got married, you know, like in her 40s. So, yeah, yeah for sure. And you already know you don't want to have kids, right? So, yep. so yeah. Yep, I'm not on any biological clock. Yeah, exactly. You you do you. So getting back to uh, Rostov and Sonia's conversation, uh, he's explaining and to her and to us that they have two weeks for to get these radio frequencies. They have to have the access by then. And uh, he's saying, when do we see each other? And she says, tomorrow night. And he goes, work Stetson, find out if he's a mirror or a man. And so then he leaves and she stays on the bench, which up to this point, we don't know who she really is. uh, But now we're about to find out because she calls Alexei Makarov grandfather. And uh, he's like, Rostov has not changed so little imagination. Keep playing the innocent. He will bite all the way, as will Scarecrow. So she's playing not only Scarecrow, she's also playing Rostov. Because mm-hmm. Rostov doesn't know who she is, uh, who she truly is. He just thinks she's a young, you know, uh, ingenue, you know, Russian ingenue for him. And in actuality, uh, you know, she's uh, heavily backed by Makarov. Mm-hmm. But he says, do you have the prince? And she reaches over and puts the, the paper bag next to him and says in, in the bag on the glass. So she's got Lee's fingerprints from the glass at her apartment or bar or wherever they were. And he's going to now use that against him. So this is step one in the ongoing web of, of deceit that he's set up for, for Lee. And, and Sonia's like, hey, maybe we only have two weeks here for Stemwinder. Maybe it's not our best bet. Maybe we, we can get Stetson some other way. And he's like, it's the perfect game within a game. It's going to be the noose with which Scarecrow is going to hang himself. Or not. Just a thought. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just a thought. It's creepy when he kind of looks at the camera and he's like, did yeah. you see that at the end? He's like, <laughs> like, I'm supposed to turn my head like this. <laughs> What's the matter, Lex? I'm just looking at them on the couch. It's annoying. Oh, That's all. okay. Yeah, I haven't. I have, I paused it so I don't have to look at that yet. 
he doesn't have to act so well, you know, like that's just I know not having to watch it, but even listening to it. Oh I my god. Just... Can you imagine having to listen to it as his girlfriend? A new girlfriend who's already seen how he is with all the other girls. You know what I mean? It's just it's just a perfect storm for poor Amanda. And, and I'm I'm firm that she's experienced it too, so she knows Yes. Oh that's true. Doing. Yeah. Even if it's even if it's like a low, a lesser degree. I know it is for sure. But still, she knows. She knows. That's what, that's what I mean. It's a lot to ask for a new relationship. Yes. Yeah. Yes. yes. It's a lot to ask of anybody, but especially someone who's mm-hmm. newly into the relationship, right? And already knows he's got this track record. Yes. You know, it's been yes. flaunted in front of her for, you know, three years, years now, yes. right? And it's just, and you're already feeling, you're, you're feeling like you don't measure up. And then mm-hmm. you have this young thing who's 22 compared to her 35 or so, right? I mean, come on. You're already going to feel. She's yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh, that would, You're already going to yeah. feel so insignificant and horrible and I question everything. <laughs> I know. It's horrible. <laughs> Poor oh. Amanda. You, you bastard. <laughs> God damn it. Really assign anyone else. Anyone. Else. Anyone. <laughs> anyone but her. So now we're at Sonia's apartment and uh poor Amanda's listening uh on the mic to to all this and her facial expressions are hilarious <laughs> she's like oh please and then like rolls her eyes and she's just like puffing and puffing in the car it's so cute she's um, being a really good sport like, she is very good sport she really is <laughs> so yes as Lexi mentioned they are on the couch and they are necking like nobody's business for sure and she's like i'm very very nearly eating you alive and he doesn't seem to be worried he's like wait if it's what we both want what's wrong with it and then she has uh she kind of pulls herself away and she's like it's not that simple for us so they've acknowledged they're both they know they're both spies right but yet he's still getting involved Mm -hmm. because he says you know for people like us, every day is complicated. It comes with the territory. Besides, as good as, it, good as it is, I haven't spent six nights in a row here for the food. She goes, I haven't had you here six nights in a row, so I'd have an excuse to cook either. And then she explains that six she nights. bought all the food. I know. Good God. How do they? I mean, how? Okay, so six Too nights much. and they're going at each other like that and they haven't sealed the deal, if you know what I mean? Yeah. How is that? That's know. kind of hard to believe. I don't know how he explained away that. Yeah. Because that is not his usual MO. You'd think Rostov would be really, really suspicious yeah. of this point, too. Yeah, for sure. Ugh. And that's a lot of missed nights at Amelia's with Amanda. No <laughs> doubt. And poor Amanda's crouched yeah. down in the Corvette in the little floor on the floor. <laughs> listening. Just listening. Listening. Oh, poor thing. And she's just rolling her eyes and huffing and puffing in there. It's so funny. So then Sonia goes on to explain that it's her superior Rostov. She doesn't think he likes her. She goes, perhaps because I'm young, aggressive, a woman. And then she's doing the hand trick just like uh, Alexi does. So Lee obviously picks up on that and, and, and takes note of it. And uh, then Sonia drops the bomb saying... Uh, that Rostov is threatening to send her back to Russia. And then Lee acts like he's like, what? You know, like, you can't, 
you can't leave, you know, I can't lose you. Ugh. So she's saying, I need something substantial to prove, you know, herself that she's worth keeping. And he's like, maybe I can help. So it's like a script, you know? And she goes, you mentioned uh, Stemwinder. He goes, yeah, it's the hottest ticket around. She goes, I'd be a hero. Rostov would have to let me stay. And he's like, I can get access to Stemwinder's frequencies. Front row, center seats. And she's like, you do that for me? Ugh. Can I vomit? And then Amanda goes, "Uh, uh, 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 uh." (laughs) it's so funny. She goes, he goes, don't worry, I can get them. She goes, and then I can, we can mix business with pleasure. And then they start kissing. And Amanda goes, this is a real drag. So in the <laughs> script, it's a little bit different. Uh, Sonia says, please wait. Come back tomorrow night with the frequencies. And then we will, how do you say, mix pleasure with business? So she's supposed to be have more of a Russian accent, which she clearly doesn't have at all in here. And he said, Lee says, you said it beautifully. In the car, Amanda grimaces, takes off her earphones, tosses them away. She's not happy. Off her look, we cut to the agency, which is what we see here. And then we hear the recorded version saying, Lee saying, you said it beautifully. Then unmistakably, the sound of another kiss. Francine smiles knowingly at Lee as Billy turns off the recorder. Francine says, amazing how those mics pick up certain sounds, isn't it? With breathtaking sensitivity. <laughs> Getting back to the film version, uh, we hear them talking, uh, Sonia and, and Lee talking, and uh, everybody's listening. Amanda's ramrod straight, the poor thing. She's got to listen to it, not only happening, but now she's got to listen to it in front of her boss and one of the annoying people at work that always makes fun of her. You know, it's like she knows that Francine's just loving this. Yeah. <sighs> And Billy says, I think we've got ourselves a carrier pigeon. Lee looks very uncomfortable. (laughs) And then he says, there's something about this Sonia. It's just an itch. And it's like, really bad choice of words, dude. Yeah, really. Especially for six nights. (laughs) It's like, oh, did you get some antibiotic for that itch, sir? Because it's probably what you got from her. Uh, Sorry, that was very catty, but (laughs) well-deserved. And uh, Lee says, I'm going to see if TP Aquinas can scratch it. Okay, that just sounds gross. (laughs) Francine's all smirky. And then uh, Billy's explaining that he'll let Philip Dart know that they're coming for the uh, uh, radio frequencies. And then he tells Amanda, great job, Amanda. He goes, a successful Lisbon variation depends on teamwork. (laughs) Oh, man. And Amanda gets up and leaves. She goes, yes, sir. Lee did all the dancing and then leaves. (laughs) Lee's in the doghouse, ladies. So then we get, uh, we're at uh, a sweet shop. And TP's on his briefcase phone. <laughs> and uh, this is uh, setting up for a later scene, obviously. Uh, but they've come to talk to TP. And Lee explains like, hey, you know, they weren't. Uh, they said I could find you over here from the Library of Congress. Is this a new is this your new office? And he said, hey, you know, wherever my uh, briefcase phone is, I can be in an office. <laughs> yeah, wait till 2020, sir. Oh, and then uh, TP tells Amanda that she should try the Tutti Frutti, that it's the best in town. And she's like, no, thank you. This is terrific. So remembering the Tutti Frutti part, obviously, it will, again, will play in later. Lee explains that uh, the hand, the coin hand trick uh, and wants him to look into it. And uh, he then 
explains to the audience, TP does, uh, TP tells the audience and, and obviously just the conversation there, but uh, about Alexi, that he fell out of favor a few years back, nine to be exact. Uh, and he goes, thanks to a sting organized by our scarecrow. And Amanda says, I read the case report. And then Lee says, well, just, I just met a woman who does the same coin trick. Now I was wondering, could there be a connection? And then asked if he's still alive. He goes, well, it might be difficult to get close to the gulag to find out. But he'll poke around and see. So again, good setup for what comes in a little bit. Um, In the script, it's really weird. TP calls Lee Lizo. L-E-E-S-O. Supposed to be some weird nickname. Yeah, like Lee, like Lee, my boy, or something like that. But Lizo, so I'm not sure where that came from, but yeah. And then even later in the script, it's spelled L E E Z O. So they've spelled it two different ways in the one script. So weird. Yeah, very weird. One little piece in the script from Amanda uh, that she didn't actually say in the film version, and this is um, right before that. She says, "I read the case report, sir. Poor Mister Brezev." was so embarrassed. Makarov got a one-way ticket to Siberia. And then TP says, why the interest in Makarov, Lizo? And then he said about how he met a woman who does the same coin trick. And then Lee says at the end of that scene, Lee says, next time try the Caribbean rum raisin with the double thick hot fudge and macadamia nut topping. It's really artery. It's a real artery clogger. (laughs) As TP's eyes widen in delight. Wow, that seems really rich. Yeah. So now Lee and Amanda head over to see Philip Dart and get the radio frequencies from them that he has. Lee and Amanda have to sign in. Lee does the signing in for them. Uh, He has to put in, and they make sure that we know he has to put in when he comes in, who he's seeing, and when he's leaving, you know, when, when he signs out, he'll have to do it again. They head off to go talk to Philip Dart. There's another, uh, there's a whole scene about, uh, with Philip Dart and them talking that we don't actually get to see either. So we'll talk about that. Um, but as soon as Lee and Amanda head off to go to down the hall to, to see Philip Dart, uh, Makaroff shows up and he says that he's there to see he's Kurtz and he's there to see um, a general. And the guy looks at the list and he says, I don't see you on here. And he goes, are you sure it's not there? And he turns his head and then he snaps a capsule right under the guard's nose and knocks the guy, you know, like, oh, he's in a tizzy now. He doesn't, he can't breathe and he can't, his eyes are rolling in the back of his head. So he waits while he's, you know, discombobulated there. He grabs the clipboard, writes his name in uh, so that he's on the board and then puts a piece of tape over where Lee would sign out of what time he leaves. And then he calls over to the other guard to help this other guy. And he's like, guard, this man needs assistance. I think he's fainting. So in the script, again, I think this is where they didn't get authorization for the name. Uh, The guard's name in the script is called Gus. But when the guy comes over in the film version, his name is Brian. (laughs) So go figure. I don't know why. Um, So, the the guard's trying to help him and he's like you know like the the guard says who are you here to see and he goes i'm kurtz i'm here to see uh general um benton general benton you can tell he's trying to keep his russian accent uh at bay as much as he can and he says okay just sign in and then you can go so then he leaves and goes and hides and waits for 
Lena Amanda to leave. So when I said there was a scene, so there's a whole, a lot more scene uh, between Dart and Amanda and Lee than we actually get to see uh, in the script or in the, the film version rather. Poor Brian or Gus doesn't know what hit him here. So then we cut to Lee and Amanda as they're leaving Philip Dart's office and he's, Lee's got the, the, the uh, radio frequencies and he puts them in his pocket and uh, Philip Dart wishes them luck and, and goes back to his office. And then Lee and Amanda leave. Well, then we see Makarov come out of a unnamed, unmarked uh, office. And he goes in with gloves on. And he's got his fingers. He's got gloves on that have little fingerprints on them. So he's got Lee's fingerprints on those gloves, on that that glove. Devious. Yeah. So that's how he's going to plant. So he's planting now. This is level two of the, the planting of the evidence. He had the glass. And this is the next step from that. Uh, and he's going to go kill uh, poor Philip Dart. But the film version, uh, excuse me, the uh, script version that I was mentioning. So it's kind of quick here, but uh, Dart, off their looks, the electromagnetic pulse that results from a nuclear explosion, he looks at the binder, will be simulating the EMP during the exercise. It'll blow a lot of the frequencies we're using, but will maintain enough to function and allow the Russians a peak. Dart hands Lee a small folder. Dart continues, this should do it. Hope they enjoy the show. Amanda says, what's to keep the Russians from using these frequencies to see more than we want them to? And Dart says, we're not giving them enough. He goes to the safe. They need the full frequency breakdown, and that's not leaving this office. Au contraire, mon frere. (laughs) And then, as Lee and Amanda exit Dart's office and head for the elevator, a beat later, Alexi appears at the far end of the corridor, moves quickly to Dart's office, tests the door, it's locked, Quickly pulling a thin wire from his pocket, he deftly picks the lock. Then we cut to interior of Dart's office. Dart looks up, surprised, as Alexi steps silently into his office. Alexi's already moving toward him as Dart says, Who are you? What the hell? Dart makes a move toward the alarm button on the floor, directly next to his desk. Too late, Alexi's on him, a small lethal-looking electric probe at the ready. He touches it to Dart, and the other man stiffens, then drops to the floor, unconscious. Alexi turns, moves to the door, locks it, and he surveys the room. He takes a pair of surgeon's rubber gloves out of his pocket and pulls them on. Then he moves to the safe, starts to work it. So definitely didn't get to see the murder, actual murder. We just got to see the intent of it. Uh, at that point. And then he comes back, um, you know, and, and deals with the uh, guard. So now when Makarov comes back uh, through, the guard says, you know, he needs to sign out. And he's like, of course. And then it's 4.15 we see on the clock. So much later. And uh, Makarov, you know, attempts to to act like he's uh, actually cares. But he's like, how's, how's your friend? He goes, he's at the hospital. Makarov puts his badge in the in the bin and then hits it and it goes tumbling off and distracts the guard so that now Makarov can take the little piece of tape off of Lee's place where he signed in and then he forges his his time out. Because remember earlier we hear that he's a, a great at safe cracking and he's great at forgery, all these things. We were set up to know that he was good at all these things and that's how he could get away with it. Now... I'm confused, though. Now they're back at Emilio's, where mm-hmm. Sonia knows he goes to, right? Obviously, that's where they're at. 
but they're back together again. Isn't that screwing up their story that they broken up? He's supposedly been at her with, with Sonia for the past six nights. I'm really confused. I think they just thought no one would see them there. But sh that's where he met her. I know. That's why it doesn't make any sense. I it mean, makes no sense at all. And they should have gone to a different restaurant or something, you know. I feel like they didn't want to, they didn't want to disappoint Norman because he's like, oh, my regulars, I love you. And then he saw probably them like have that fight and Lee talk with Sonia. So they're like, you know what, we gotta, we gotta. They're not going to risk it for Norman. Norman. <laughs> <laughs> nice try there. I'm not buying that one, Lex. That's what I'm, that's what I'm thinking. That's, what I'm that's hilarious. We did it for Norman. We did it for Norman. <laughs> let's, let's win this one for the well, Gipper. There's probably a comfort in going back to you know where you usually go and yeah but, but to yeah, be with her uh, yeah it doesn't make sense better. it doesn't make sense um but in the script they actually say that um, when they're at emilio's we see lee and amanda walk into the restaurant a beat later we see alexi walk past the restaurant and step into a phone booth as he dials a number so now we have them uh sitting at a table as they're sitting there, Rostov comes in. This is really kind of weird. So Rostov comes in, seems lost, and then goes over to Amanda and Lee and runs a sequence of codes to him. And says, are you the interested part? Are you the party that requested the limousine? And Lee's like, no. He goes, the call specified a black limousine to be engaged for the entire evening. Correct? And, and Amanda says, no. And Lee says, no, I don't think so. Did the caller leave a name? He goes, there seems to be a mistake. So this is definitely a setup. They wanted that them to be seen together. So this is step three now on this, right? Mm -hmm. And then Amanda's like, are you sure that was really, you know, the station chief? What, what would, he, you know, why would he be doing that? And then Lee says, I'm sure certain of it. He goes, he ran the procedure down perfectly. He was expecting a meet. He was in, in on it though? He was too confused, though. He was definitely too confused. I think he got set up as well. He's getting played just as much as Lee is in this. It's just he won't have the have the, the wrath that Lee will, you know, the revenge aspect of it. He's just getting played. But, I mean, he's definitely, uh, he definitely doesn't know what's happening. He, I mean, he just thought that they were getting the stim your codes, right? So I'm yeah, just wondering that was, that's his, that's his goal. Part. Right. So then I don't know what, I you kind of wonder what Rostov was told in order to get him there. Yeah. Either he's in on it or being tricked to be in on it. Mm -hmm. Or is there something in the script that Rostov was starting to get uh, suspicious? About no, I think on? he's getting played here. I, I really do. I, I think they're, this is all coming to a head now because tonight's the night that uh, they're pretty much going to show all their cards. You know, they're they're This is the last step before they pull the rug out from under Lee. So they had to get, have Lee be seen with him to add that suspicion. You know, I wonder what they told him then. I know. That's <laughs> what I wonder. And Lee's wondering too. He's like, that's a good question. Like why, why would he do that? You know? So now we're at, uh, right outside Sonia's apartment. Lee's in the driver's seat and he's running through the, the, the plan with Amanda saying that, you know, he'll contact her, uh, tap, tap, pause, tap. That's the code. Then she'll know that's his check-in that everything's okay. And then Lee says, look, Amanda, it's a, it's the agent's option to, uh, spend the night. He goes, 
I feel a headache coming on. And then she gives him a big smile. She goes, I'll see you at midnight. He says, you bet. Now, in the script, it's definitely different. So in the last scene that we talked about at Emilio's, it goes, Amanda says, Lee, we don't even know Alexei Makarov's alive, let alone involved with Stemwinder. Lee says, I know, I know. And if he is, why? This isn't his kind of game. Amanda says, then what are you worrying about? He says, you're probably right. I'll drop it. Lee falls silent again. Amanda fiddles with a breadstick, snaps it. Lee notices. Lee continuing, what are you worrying about? And she says, tonight, you nervous? And then she says, and then a beat. She says, no, of course you're not. You're a pro. You've done this dozens of times. Just another peacock dance with another ravishing Russian beauty, as easy as falling into bed. Then blurting, she says, look, I know you have to do the dance and whisper sweet nothings in her ear and pretend to be sweet, uh, swept off your feet. And he says, Amanda, she goes, but if you spend the night with her while I'm sitting out in the car, I'm going to rip out your headliner and slash your tires. And don't tell me it's just business because it wouldn't be. Bam. Lexi, your face was somebody you're like, what? <laughs> I didn't want to warn you. (laughs) And then Lee goes, are you finished? And she nods. He goes, now I'm not going to spend the night. And then we cut to the next scene. (laughs) I love that. That's like the um, Carrie Underwood. I know. I was going to say the same thing. Yep. Yep. I slashed your tires. Yep. Totally. (laughs) 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 Yep. Exactly. I love that. That was wow. awesome. I like a little now, spunky Amanda every no, once in a while. I would have paid a lot of money to have her actually, to just have her film. That, yes. Like film yes. that scene. Like, even if they didn't use it, like, just to have that film. Oh, that'd be so funny. I forgot all about that. And then I was reading, I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I looked up and you're like, oh. <laughs> damn. Like, damn, girl. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay, so uh, then the scene that we just talked about with him in the Corvette, them, the two of them in the Corvette, um, mm-hmm. he says, it's just after 10, I should be out of there by midnight. I'll take, I'll tap the mic every hour, tap, tap, pause, tap to let you know I'm okay. Lee starts to get out of the car. Amanda stops him. She says, see you later, huh? Lee smiles before really thinking about it. They lean in to share a quick kiss. Lee smiles, gets out, hold on Amanda, watching him go, then cut to, I mean, uh, some, um, Sonia's apartment. So a little bit, uh, you know, it's nice to get a little kiss before he goes and has to fake kiss uh, the other girl. <laughs> that other bitch. <laughs> that uh, I was trying to be nice. <laughs> but yes, that. <laughs> so poor Amanda's got to sit and listen again. Can you imagine having to do it once, but then having to do it multiple times like this? Ugh. No. Ugh. No. And he doesn't even have his coat on, uh, coat off rather. He's just sitting there. So now they're all dancing on in the uh, in the middle of her la- uh, living room, and then uh, he pulls out the radio frequencies, and she's like so excited. He goes to do the tap tap pause tap, and uh, she catches him, so he can't do it. So that's the first one he misses, and then uh, she turns back and squeals, you know, asking about the radio frequencies, and he's like, "Oh, it was easy, just falling into bed," and she goes, "That's what reminds me." the other thing I wanted and then they start kissing and then her grandfather comes in from behind and zaps Lee and knocks him out. And then she keeps talking cause they know exactly that he's got a little, um, microphone on him. And so she keeps talking and 
and saying, come with me. And then they uh, dope poor Lee up and get him out of there. And then obviously he's missed now his, he's going to miss his second check-in. Yeah. Now it's 1210. She looks up. So Amanda finally comes out, gets out of the car and she's got her little, it's just like, it looks like a little water gun. It's so tiny. It's teeny tiny. And uh, she's like, all right, you can come on out here, Lee. You know, like she's calling him out like she's, you know, busting in as a jealous girlfriend, you know, kind of thing. In the script, it's slightly different. Um, It says the elevator opens and Amanda steps out. Uh, The hall is long and eerily quiet at this hour. An apartment door opens right in her tracks. A sour looking woman bundled up against the night night steps out miniature schnauzer under her arm amanda and the woman are a foot apart amanda feels compelled to explain her cover sorry my boyfriend is in 3j with that woman i just can't wait any longer and the woman regarding her dog says neither can des desdemona excuse me and then takes her dog out (laughs) so obviously we don't have that part uh and then amanda walks in on uh into the apartment so amanda is shouting out no one's coming you know she's not hearing any of them and uh she comes in she's smart she uses her uh handkerchief and turns off the radio and then she uh gets on the phone and calls um uh the duty clerk and tries to to, to uh call it in mm-hmm. you like the brass bed lex i do i'm a big fan of brass i know beds. you are that's why i mentioned it no. so amanda finds lee's keys there and then dials the phone uh, to the agency. And she gets put through to uh, to Billy, which kind of throws her off a little bit. This is Amanda King. The word is blue jeans. I'm on a public line. It's not clean. <laughs> Could you get me the night duty officer, please? I have a condition one alert agent in dire jeopardy. Pretty good. She knows her stuff. She does. And then she apologizes. Like, she's like, oh, I'm sorry, sir. Like, she didn't mean to get him. And he goes, is this important or not? Like, why'd you get me? Kind of thing. And then she explains that Lee misses uh, last two check-ins. And he said he'd be out by midnight. And it's well after that. She's, so she thought something was pretty wrong and came in. He goes, yeah, why do you think I'm out of bed at 1230 in the morning? He's like, I'll have a team of bloodhounds over there in five minutes. He goes, I want you to stay. Th- I want you to come in. She goes, I'm going to help. Lee, he goes, no, I need you in. It's bad trouble and I don't want you out there. She's like, all right, so I'm out of here. So then Francine comes up. She's uh, right there with him. And she said, she said, Billy Dart wasn't expected home. So his body wasn't found until sometime after Stemwinder countdown began. She goes, I just talked to the medical examiner. He said his neck was broken probably late yesterday afternoon. Lee and Amanda were the last ones on the log to see him alive. And then... Billy's like, what about Stemwinder? She goes, well, they could have, uh, the frequencies were still in the safe. She goes, well, they could have been photographed, you know, which is true, which you would think they would, he would take them anyways. You'd think he'd want them like as a bonus. I, I wonder why he didn't take them. So Francine's already like questioning, like, mm, like this doesn't look good for Lee and Amanda kind of thing. Francine says, we found two different sets of fingerprints by the safe. Care to guess who they belong to? And he goes, Francine, would you stop with that look? <laughs> he goes, I put my money on Lee and Amanda. They can explain. She goes, she goes, maybe, but you are you going to call off Stemwinder? He goes, you give me way too much credit. He goes, I'm. let's just say I'm going to make a suggestion and hope like hell somebody listens. <laughs> so in the script, slightly different between Billy and Francine, Francine says, Lee and Amanda were the last ones on the log to visit Dart alive. Billy says after her pause, what do you expect, Francine? A little squeal of alarm? I sent them over here. What else? 
man. And Francine says, Dart wasn't expected home, so he wasn't found until the Stemwinder countdown began at 2 a.m. The ME says he died yesterday afternoon. An autopsy will pin it down. Somebody almost made it look like an accident. He goes, but she goes, felt. They found fibers in the in the wound. Felt from the bottom of, say, a weighted tape dispenser. Funny thing, there isn't one in the office, but he had a habit of taping reminders to his door. And then Billy looks off to several notes taped inside the door. What else is missing? Nothing. The secure stemliner frequencies are in the safe. They could have been photographed. And Billy says, or not. So now we see Lee. He's waking up in the middle of a, a alley uh, and a bunch of uh, punks are like shake, trying to shake him down to get some money away uh, out of him or something. So this is where they filmed the uh, first time they filmed this. We saw it on our tour. You guys remember we saw mm-hmm. it from the other angle, yeah. though. Yeah. So this is when uh, they say Pilgrim, Pilgrim's Peach Puff just arrived. <laughs> uh, that's on this. So those the, the, the hoodlums are trying to uh, fight Lee, and he uh, finally gets away from them. It is very different in the script. Okay. Yeah. So there's this character Howler. I've been rolling juices longer than you, dupe. Reflex kicks in and Lee lashes out with a karate move that sends Howler flying. The gang move back, all of them suddenly holding some kind of street weapon. Lee reels to his feet, feels for his missing handgun. Howler takes a serious knife out of a leg sheath. Howler says, I guess now we have to stick him. Lee says, agent, drugged. Dupes says, lay off. He says he's the heat. Howler doesn't seem particularly perturbed, although the rest of the gang loses the circle a bit. And Howler says, if you're the heat, my man, where's the ID? I've been in those pockets and they're stone empty. No gun either. Lee says, federal agent. Howler says, DEA, maybe, or maybe just IRS. Howler wades in. Anybody else would be dead, but Lee's instincts save him. He lifts Howler off his feet with a kick to his jaw. He's through the gap in the circle in a flash. Clenching his busted jaw, Howler grunts for the gang to give chase. Uh, Exterior alley, day, down angle. Lee chins on the projecting bar and swings up. The gang spreads out below, unsure. Fighting to clear his head, Lee goes up a ladder to the next roof level. He looks down, suffers a wave of dizziness, and keeps going. And then it goes on from there. So slightly different, some more dialogue than we're actually what we actually get. Mm-hmm. Lee trips over a bum there. Oh, we get to see Dick on the written on the wall. <laughs> Twice. <laughs> Trying to make out stuff on the wall. It's kind of funny. Woodsy. Somebody had fun with all the colors. That'd be fun. It'd be a script or a set designer and be able to do uh, spray paint walls. <laughs> yeah, that would be. So now we're back at the agency and poor Amanda's on a uh, lie detector test, hooked up to a lie detector test. And uh, and Quid is, you know, giving Billy the rundown. And, he, and Billy says, spare me the cycle babble. That's not babble. I could give you babble. He goes, I don't need something. This is this is Amanda King. I know her. I can get through to her. He goes, just my point. You have bias. You side with her and Scarecrow. You owe it to her, Billy, to let us be as rigorous as possible. I don't like it, but there could be questions later on. So he's saying, you know, let her answer all the questions so that there's no, you know, doubt that she's telling the truth. So then they listen and they can hear Amanda being questioned. 
And the woman said, Mrs. King, just answer the question. She goes, all right. She goes, now Scarecrow found himself in a dynamic situation. Yet you said, say he set a time limit. He felt, she goes, he felt he could attain his objective by then. She goes, Mrs. King, I know his objective. I'm looking for a yes or no answer. Did you believe him? She's like, yes, he promised. <laughs> and then Quid's like, promise? That's a noodle we can work on. Field agents trust facts, not promises. And he goes, noodle? He goes, put the pressure on her. Come on, Billy. You know how it goes. Better we succeed now compared to what comes later. This is pat a pat on the back. First, the debilitating drug series, then sensory deprivation, then finally induced psychotic phobia. Ugh, that sounds horrible. Then the thumb screws. <laughs> uh, Billy ch- comes, busts in and, and uh, unplugs Amanda and, and the lady goes, just a minute, we're not quite finished. And then Quid tells her, you know, to hold on. So he takes her out of there and he brings her into the the situation room where they're tracking all the frequencies and, and uh, all that. And it's kind of cool. You can hear everything going off. I love the that big ass um, IFF emblem yeah. there. That's cool. Yeah. I want that so bad. <laughs> that would be awesome yeah. to have, wouldn't it? So cool. Uh, so Amanda goes up to Francine and... and uh, She's asking how it's going. And Francine says, into the dumper. <laughs> and she's saying, just lost the downlinks from the HP1 over the USSR, the land links from PAS radar, and their secure frequencies, or they were. And then Billy says, that's 20 kilotons from Lada class sub off Maryland. Just turned DC into hot confetti. The sub blocks supposed to give the president eight minutes to make up his mind. Eight minutes, but our communications fall out after the first blast. We didn't respond. We lost. Why didn't they just um, change the frequencies or cancel this? Well, because that's, that's the whole point, Jen. Remember, they said they already got their frequencies before... They found, they didn't find uh, DART until after Stemwinder began. So they had a jump ahead of them. Oh, from when they went to the office to now is just like a half hour? <laughs> no, 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 no. That's what I'm saying. They like they said they didn't, they found, they found Philip DART's body at like 1230 in the morning when it actually, he died at 415 in the afternoon the day before. So they had all that time four to midnight, you know, to, to but, do but, anything. But once they knew it was compromised, they could have, the U.S. government could have done something. Right, which is what they're doing now, but it's too late. The The, the Russians already had a, a huge head start on them. Those hours are major, you know, was a major head start. Yeah, I just think if they could have communicated internally better, they could block, know what was happening and block it in some way. But maybe not. I think they took, they've been taking over things before they could stop it. Is what it seems to me. So then uh, Francine comes up. Francine says, I thought Dr. Smith was going to get off his rump for once <laughs> and put a stop to this. Then, and then all of a sudden, the, the rump that she was speaking of turns around and says, the National Security Council told the president we lacked proof. Well, we got it now. And then Francine's like, I'm out of here. <laughs> so Billy says the Russians are jamming six or seven of their frequencies. So... Um, and Billy or Dr. Smith says, so Scarecrow did sell out. And 
And Amanda says, no, sir. Sir, if you'll excuse me. And then he says, no, I won't excuse you. You're the housewife turned agent, huh? She goes, yes, sir. He goes, I think you're as much a traitor as Scarecrow. <laughs> no, sir. Lee and I are not traitors. Now, I don't know what's going on, but it seems as if everybody's questioning, uh, asking a lot of questions and pointing a lot of fingers and being awfully rude when Lee is out there somewhere risking his life for his country and we should be looking for him. He's like, oh, we are, rest assured. Yeah, not for the right reasons, though. <laughs> so then Billy gets called away and uh, Amanda just kind of can overhear a little bit. And then Billy explains to Smith that uh, they won't be secure again for several weeks. And he goes, and the president just lost his bargaining chip for the peace talks. He'll want a, a dog a kick, to kick a dog, and I don't want to be it. He goes, bring me Stetson's beating heart. <laughs> Jeez. He's so gruesome. Mm-hmm. And then he goes to leave, and he goes, okay. And then he, and then he turns around, and he goes, hot confetti. The original Smoky Man. I know. Yes. From I the X-Files. Of, yeah. I think of the X-Files every time I watch yep, this, but it was I before know. then, so he was the original. I hope they were organic ones and not really cigarettes, but maybe. <laughs> Although I, they probably aren't because he's so such a health nut, uh, Myron is. At least he was when I met him. He's, he's a vegetarian, and so maybe, because he's, he's definitely in his 90s, so he's definitely taking care of himself. Yeah. Lexi, be nice. He can have a people alive. Yeah. He's still alive. That's great. Yeah. So now we see Lee and he is not looking so great. Uh, He's, he's definitely uh, had a rough night for sure. And uh, he's kind of discombobulated. And then we see Makaroff right there too. So he's paying attention. He's seeing him come by. And then Lee gets in a phone booth and, and calls into the agency. And Amanda's trying to explain, you know, she's she's answering the questions for, for Billy because he's trying to piece this together, like, you know, what's going on. He's he's giving her the benefit of the doubt and and he's getting mad. But Amanda's saying he didn't do anything, sir. Somebody's trying to make him look bad. And then Francine plays the tape where Lee says it's just like falling into bed. And Amanda says he was undercover. And Francine goes, so to speak. <laughs> And he's like, it's all right, relax, you know, because he doesn't want to get them fighting again. And then Billy explains that Lee and Amanda just uh, were the last ones to see Dard live. And she goes, no, sir. Uh, no, sir. You said he was killed at four. We left at 2.30. In the script, it says 1.30. And then it says 80% confirmed Lee's handwriting. And she goes, it has to be a forgery. She goes, this isn't. Lee's prints are all over the safe. She goes, he never went near the safe. She goes, then explain how the copy of the frequencies ended up in Lee's lover's hands. She goes, she's not his lover. Now, Billy's like, hey, there's some curious things here. Now, why did you and Lee meet with Soviet station chief Rostov? She goes, we weren't meeting with the station chief, sir. We were having dinner. He came up to the table. He said something about a limousine. He said he'd made a mistake and he left. Sir, you have to believe me. He goes, Amanda, we want to believe you, but it's an it's awful hard. For instance... Lee's report says that Sonia made her first contact with him while he was having a drink on the way home. But he wasn't. He was having dinner with you. Is this some new habit? She's like, it's not exactly a habit, sir. She goes, well, the bartender says it is. He calls you regulars five nights in the last two weeks. And then uh, a call comes through and it's Lee. And so he sends Francine out to get a trace. And uh, Lee only wants to talk to Amanda. So he gets her on and he tells her to... 
uh, keep him talking, uh, that they need to bring him in. And he picks up the other line and is listening. Now, if she were really in on this, she wouldn't, she wouldn't have to explain all this. And she would be like, hey, they're on to us. You know, like, or, you know what I mean? Like, save yourself kind of thing. You know what I mean? Or give him some kind of clue. But she's not, you know, I don't, I don't. I think they jump to conclusions here a little bit too much. Billy, Billy has seen enough that he knows that this could be all circumstantial stuff. How many times do they have so much evidence and Billy's like, well, it's all circumstantial. We don't have enough information, you know? Yeah. And now the one time they need him to give them, them the benefit of the doubt, he doesn't. Yeah. I know it's the plot, but it's just annoying. Yeah. You think, I, I think Lee even says it later on this episode or probably the next one. Like you, after so many years of like dedicated service, like you would think that they would, they would know him mm-hmm. better. Mm-hmm. Like, come on. Right. Especially Billy. Yeah. Yeah. So Amanda's like, hello. He goes, hi, Amanda. You all right? She goes, yes, I'm all right. Uh, but I'm scared to death and worried about you. He goes, they zapped me with something, but I've shaken it out of my head. She goes, send, send a mess. Philip Dart's dead. She, she does it in such a ramble. It's so fast. It's like rapid fire. She gets all the relevant information in there. I know, she does. It's so funny. <laughs> Stemwinder's a mess. Philip Dart's dead and they think we killed him for the radio frequencies, for the secret radio frequencies. Dr. Smith called us both traitors. They've been grilling me for hours. He goes, hold on a second. And then he reaches down and he's trying to figure out where he's got a bug on him because he's, he's being tracked. Um, by Makroff or whomever set him up. He doesn't know for sure that it's Makroff at this point. And he found, finds it electric taped uh, to the bottom of his, of his uh, left shoe, of course. And then he says to Amanda, it's a crazy tutti fruity business, Amanda. I got to go. And then he hangs up. Now in the script, he does say it's a tutti fruity business to her like two times it's like, it was way too obvious. So I'm glad they only said it the one yeah. time. Cause that'd be super, you know, they'd be able to pick up something off that. Like what, what was that clue? You know, when we started our podcast, remember our about us, um, pages that we set up, I think yeah. I picked that as my quote. Um, Oh really? Like crazy, tootie, fruity business. Yeah. Oh, funny. You said that's funny. I didn't know that. I forgot about that. I haven't been to that part of that, of the site forever. I only stay, I only do the oh, ones wow. I have to update. Yeah. Oh, it's a crazy so long ago. Yeah, it's a crazy tutti fruity business, Amanda. That's, what I <laughs> that's so Yay! cute. Oh, that's funny. Good memory. Cute. Yeah. I would hope so if it's my favorite quote, apparently. <laughs> apparently. <laughs> apparently. Has that changed? I don't know. I mean, in four years, I still do like it. It stands out, but maybe I would go with something that's more. Like, I, I can't even, I can't think of a, of a specific one. What's uh, mine? I don't even remember what I put. <laughs> clams again, dear. Oh, <laughs> I do say that one. Whenever Lane orders uh, clams, I'm like, clams again, yeah. dear. And he just looks at me like, I'm sure it's something scarecrow related. <laughs> and yeah, just yeah, kind of yeah. rolls his eyes. Jen, Jen's is now, please sit down and I'll tell you all about yourself before your mother gets back. Oh, that one's good too. That's from I am not a spy, nor have I, I am and, not, no, no, I have I ever been, yeah. And now uh, Miranda's is frankly Ricky Joe. So you <laughs> That's a great one. That is a great one. That's a good one. Um, so Billy then leaves and starts kind of the manhunt for for Lee, uh, getting the team together to kind of try and find him. 
And then he knowingly lets Amanda go because he's using her as bait. He's hoping that Amanda will lead them to Lee. Kind of, but not. In a way, yes, but no. So then she, <laughs> she's so <laughs> ridiculously funny. She's like, just kind of, I'm going to blend into the wall. No one's going to see me. <laughs> and it's so obvious, but they all have their, their they're obviously ignoring her. But it's so funny because she's just like, okay. It like finally... She is like, okay, I got to get out of here. And she just like sneaks up against the wall and like just shimmies out of there. And then they follow up right after her. It's so funny. They follow her out of the bullpen and as she's getting on the elevator. And Billy's like, <laughs> I'm watching her leave. It's so funny. I think Billy doesn't believe it though. And he's just trying to bring him in before something happens. At this point, I, I think he's 75% sure that he's, you know, being set up. He definitely still believes a little of it. Billy's like, are we covered? She goes, we've got two helicopters, two vans, two motorcycles, four on foot, NSA electronic intercept backup. If Lee so much as try to signal her with mirrors or toss her a paper airplane, we'll catch it. He goes, go. So then she ends up over at the ice cream shop where we saw TP at before, uh, earlier in the episode. And, uh, She's brought along quite an entourage. We can all see them as they pull in right behind her. And she is oblivious to it. She didn't see it. She's still learning. Uh, the ice cream place is pretty empty. There's a few people. And she's like, hello, sir. He goes, bonjour. Uh, what is it? Buongiorno, Mrs. King. Glad you looked me up. You and Lizo are the talk of the town. Seen him? So that's in the script. He calls him Lizo. L-E-E-Z-O at this point instead of Liso before. Um, but then Amanda explains to TP that Lee had mentioned something about this was a tutti fruity business. So she figured he'd try and call him. And uh, he goes, tutti fruity, very good. He goes, oh, before we go on, Mrs. King, I noticed you brought quite an entourage with you. The van, possibly the motorcycle, the tourists. <laughs> She's like, shoot, I should have seen them. He goes, they're using their best. Take it as a compliment of sorts. Chilly feeling, isn't it? To discover you're not the hunter, but the quarry. She's like, yes, sir. He goes, uh, Lee was right. Alexei Makarov was freed five weeks ago by secret order of clemency from Gorbachev himself. He had nine years to plot his revenge. She goes, I don't understand that, sir. Revenge is usually personal, but, and the Stenwinder thing involves a lot of people. He's Russian. He needs poetry. <laughs> Nothing worth doing is worth doing simply. And then his phone rings and of course, we know it's Lee. And TP goes, the boy's a regular telepath. <laughs> She's like, let me talk to him. And then he explains that uh, that Makarov is, is the one, is freed. So Lee's at a supermarket, gourmet supermarket. And uh, now he's talking to Amanda. And Amanda says, we have to keep quit meeting like this. It isn't getting us anywhere. And he goes, save it. I've got about, two, I've got about 20 seconds before they lock onto this line. You've got to go home. She goes, go home. What are you going to do? I'm trying to find Sonia. The agency's crawling all over her apartment. She won't go back there anyways. And she's like, let me help you. He goes, no, all you can do is lead them to me. Now that we know it is Lexi and you are in danger, you've got to go home. Take the long way. Use up their manpower, but don't lose them. They're your security blanket. You got that? He goes, I need some, I need time to play one more card. Be careful. I love you. <laughs> and then she goes, what? <laughs> <laughs> what say that one more time awesome. <laughs> i love that um so in the in the script when he says that uh she's like what and then 
Uh, it says, shaking their heads, listening to the dial tone as Lee hangs up. They're, they missed the trace. All they hear is Amanda's voice. Lee. Oh, damn it. <laughs> you don't get to hear Amanda cuss too much. And apparently right. we don't get to in this episode much either. <laughs> she does say damn uh, on the next uh, on part two, but not in this one. <laughs> That's so funny. Now we're in Billy's office and we've got. Uh, he's got someone tailing Amanda and you could see, uh, them, uh, right behind her. So this is when she has her new vehicle. So she's got like the wagon, the Jeep wagon instead of the station wagon. I like this one so much better. Yeah. It's more rugged and yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Billy says she knows exactly what she's doing. And then, uh, Francine says that they're trying to confirm, um, that Alexei Makarov is alive. Uh, she, she didn't get much from, from TP. And then uh, Francine says it's a tip from a small fry snitch and hands uh, him a piece of paper. Says Lee is in a grocery store in Georgetown. And then Billy says these Russians are always mudding things up. I guess it's better than watching Amanda King lead us around by the nose. He grabs his gun and then puts it in his holster. Lee's cleaned up a little bit. He looks a little better now. He's got a new coat too, Jen. It's like looks like a suede one. There's always a new coat. I know. He's got so many. They always say women have a lot of coats, but he really does. I swear, is it Makarov? Yeah. Makarov? I swear, I swear he's wearing some of these coats, like that <laughs> shiny gray thing. I yeah. Yeah, probably. <laughs> That's funny. Lots he probably is. is. Probably is. He's got so many. Yeah, the one he's in that gray one. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. It's similar for sure. Uh, so Lee's got a cart. He looks like he's been shopping for 12 hours. <laughs> That cart's so full. And then what's the deal? He he gets right up to that lady, literally like an inch from her butt, and then turns. It's so weird. Why would he do that? And then he kind of gives the lady, he gives her a nasty look like, really, lady, you're going to get in my way? Like, like his face, he, look at, I don't know if you guys can see it. Do you see his face? He's like really perturbed. Yeah. That's how I feel in the grocery store all the time. I know. It's so funny. That's why I don't shop anymore. Lane does it. Especially (laughs) Costco. Yeah. God. All these people. Yeah. It's so funny. He's like kind of like gotta move now because of this lady. But he does see Sonia. She's in in getting makeup at the store. Of course. (laughs) So then he grabs... He doesn't have a gun, obviously, but he grabs something to uh, simulate that and then grabs her from behind and puts it in her back. And then we've got everybody's in the store now. You got Makarov in there. You got Sonia. You got Lee. You got Francine. And you got Billy. Everybody's in this little tiny store. It's a party. It is. Well, they got enough food there. Hmm. He goes, let's head for the door. She goes, the pasta. You remembered. (laughs) He goes, that's right. And then they kind of fall around them there. And... Lee sees Billy. He's like, as long as I've got you, this could work out. And then he yells out, did Jeannie ask you to pick a few things up on your way home? And then he's like, Scarecrow? And then Makarov shoves the cart right at him into his back. So then that makes him lose Sonia and he grabs her and they run out the back. So they're out of there. And then Lee goes to chase after him. And then Billy and Francine are kind of cornering him. So now he's got nowhere to run. He's like, Francine, where did she go? She's like, who? Sonia, I had her. He's like, Scarecrow, maybe I can help you figure out how they built this frame around you. He goes, I trust you, Billy. I just don't trust the stinking system. Not until I can back up my side of it. Uh Uh-uh. 
And then he, uh-oh, then there's, Francine's got somebody else behind her, too, another agent. He goes, no, sorry, man. And then he pushes uh, stuff into to, uh, Billy, and then he jumps over the thing, over the butcher's um, counter, and then busts through the glass plate, plate glass window. Ouch. That's going to leave a mark for sure. Yeah, that was a little crazy. Yeah. So then uh, he's left there at the supermarket, and now Amanda's made it home, and Dottie's got her hair all up in rollers. She's got an Eastern Star installation ball tonight to get ready for, but she's making what looks like enough cookies to feed an army, and they're really big ones. They look good. They look really good. (laughs) Don't they? Now, in the script, they were called fudge blasters. (laughs) They just look like chocolate chip cookies to me, but they're no, called fudge blasters. Fudge blasters. I know. <laughs> Philip is in the scene too, which uh, on the on the um, script, he's he's there talking. Um, where in the actual film version, he's not there. He's supposedly over at a friend's house, and so Philip comes in, says, "Good timing, mom. Only eight minutes away." from another batch of fudge blasters, extra everything. And Amanda says, I can see that. Listen, guys. And Dottie says, I almost thought you'd forgotten tonight was my Eastern Star installment ball. They all, uh, these all-night set work sessions are getting chronic with you, if it is work. That's what I was talking about, Jen. And then Amanda absently takes a cookie off a cooling screen, then begins to tidy up to keep her hands busy. And she says, it's work, mother, munches. Look, has anybody called for me? IFF, anybody come by? They shake no. Any Anything weird happened in the neighborhood? Jamie says, Andy Caskill swallowed a live toad and blacked out. Amanda said, I said weird. Is that all? <laughs> and Dottie says, forget Andy. I've got an outfit that is going to make my da- date black out with raw animal lust. And Jamie says... <laughs> Jamie says, we've been matching shoes all day. And Philip says, and earrings. Dottie's starting for the door. And we've narrowed it down to five or six. I'll try them on for you. And Amanda says, wait, mother, there's something. And then Philip says, I can't take any more color coordination. And Jamie says, me either. Watch the blasters. Amanda decides she's she better establish control. She goes, boys, mother, freeze. They do. Family meeting right now. Dottie and the boys slink back to the breakfast table. And Dottie says, I've got to redo my toes before six. Amanda, keep that in mind. <laughs> and then Amanda goes on and, and explains uh, uh, that they might, the agency might be coming by to ask some questions and, and that sort of thing. And uh, Dottie says, secrets, aren't you being a little melodramatic unless there's more to that film company than you're letting on? And Amanda says, oh, mother, I'm exhausted. Please don't hound me. You know, we do work for the government. The government has a lot of secrets. And Jamie says, what are they? And Amanda has to smile at the innocent curiosity. She stands and kisses Jamie on the head. Nice try, James Bond. But secrets are secrets. The point is, don't let it worry you, okay? She accepts the silence as yes. Now, I've been in these clothes all night. Thanks for the blasters. And Amanda scoops up a few more cookies as she starts for the for the hall. Dottie plucks her sleeve. You don't have to tell me anything you don't want to, honey, or can't. But are you in trouble with these federal agents too? And Amanda says, me? Nah, hugs her. Now I'm sorry, mother, but you'll have to pick your own earrings. And then she moves up to the upstairs. So almost happens, you know, a little bit like that. And uh, Amanda tells uh, Jamie to call Philip home uh, because she wants to have uh, everybody home and kind of um, kept safe. 
Jamie with his big old glasses and yeah. his uh, braces. She does have a little TV in her kitchen, though. Yeah, did she? Was, um, oh, yeah, I see it. Kind of rare back then. Well, she had it when she was watching uh, Mrs. Welch on the first one, too. Yeah, I mean, I never yeah. had a TV in my no? kitchen. No? We had one growing up in ours. It was always in our kitchen. You know, my parents had. TVs or something. Yeah. We had a big one. We had a big one downstairs, and then we had like a black and white one in the kitchen. Yeah. And then my parents had one. Yeah. There's yellow flowers on the counter, too. Mums. She goes, Look, a man I work with is having some problems, all right? Now, his name is Stetson, Lee Stetson. You've talked to him on the phone before, mother. She goes, Stedman. I thought it was Stedman. No, it's Stetson, mother. At any rate, there may be some people who come by to talk to us, and they'll be federal agents. They may want to ask us a few questions and, uh, well, they think that Mr. Stetson may have given away a few things that he shouldn't have. He goes, what? She goes, secret, secret, sweetheart. (laughs) Aren't you being just a little melodramatic? Mother, I'm exhausted. I work for IFF for the government. The government has secrets. What kind of secrets? Nice try, Sherlock. A secret's a secret. (laughs) So she tells him to get uh, Philip home and and, uh, then she heads upstairs. I love it. Daddy goes, Amanda, you're not mixed up with these federal agents. She goes, oh, kisses her hand. She goes, mother, and then doesn't answer and leaves. So now we're back at the supermarket. And I have to say, Billy looks pretty freaking badass in those sunglasses. Doesn't he? Yeah, that's a good pair for him. He looks really good. He looks thinner there, too. He looks good. It's pretty badass. Uh, so mm-hmm. he, he heads over to... Um, to the limo that has the smoking bandit in it. And uh, he um, tells Dr. Smith, kind of updates Dr. Smith. He goes, shall I order a D1 manhunt? He goes, that would be excessive force. He goes, that's why I'm considering it. It would give me excessive satisfaction. He goes, don't risk killing Scarecrow before we find out how long he's been working with them. We don't want him writing his postcards from Moscow either. I trusted him as a friend, gave him a lot of rope, he goes, okay, make it a D1, but give it to me. He's mine. He goes, I'll leave the death probable order to you and ask the president to sign some blank pardons. No more namby-pamby. Pick up the king woman. <laughs> Grind her, Billy. She's in it with him. Trust me. Oh, okay. Yeah, you know. Scarecrow Mrs. King had been sticking it to us from the start. In the script, he actually says, Scarecrow Mrs. King had been screwing us from the start. <laughs> oh, shoot. Yeah, they changed it a little <laughs> bit. Just a little bit. So now we're at Amanda's and actually that's that scene that just happened happened before the, um, the house, uh, stuff with her family happened. Oh, okay. Yeah. Hmm. Um, but they changed it around so that it happened just before Amanda goes upstairs and, and finds Lee there. Lee jumps up and she's like, gosh, Lee, <laughs> he tells her to keep the shades up down. is too suspicious. She's like, how did you get in here? He goes through the front door. And she's like, you're, you know, worried about his face. And he goes, yeah, window got in my way. He tells her he's there to say goodbye. And she's like, what do you mean goodbye? He says exactly that. I can't even go to Billy for help. Alexi's turned the agency against me. Ironically, that's how I got him. Now she goes, now, wait a minute. I'm all tangled up in this thing, too. He goes, as long as I'm out there on the loose, I can try and do something that'll clear us. I've got to find Alexi before he goes under himself. And then he pulls her and they stand up. He goes, now, I may be gone a while. She's like, how long? He's like, as long as it takes. She's like, oh. And then you hear the cars pulling up and the house is pretty much surrounded. And he's like, Amanda, I meant what I said on the phone. I just want you to know that before I go. 
Aw. He goes, I love you. And then they're both like so relieved when they say it. He goes, I have for a very long time. I just, I was just never ready to, and he's having a hard time, you know, she goes, I know. And then Dottie, you can hear Dottie. She goes, Amanda, I think those federal agents are here. He goes, they're going to be here, uh, up in here in a minute. She goes, now, now I love this. This is actually in the script. It's not as good as what she actually says in the film version. So I'm going to read the script version first. Uh, she says now she goes, no, you can't just walk into my life with that stupid package saying, give this to the man in the red hat. And then three years later, just walk out again and a beat. Lee, they're really serious. Dr. Smith told Billy to bring him your beating heart. Lee allows her another few seconds hug. He goes, that's why it's dangerous to be within a mile of me. He gently pushes her away. Come on, Amanda. I don't want to get trapped up here. We hear off screen ring of the doorbell, followed by heavy pounding on the door. Lee reacts, swears under his breath and breaks for the window, looking down. He says, it's still clear this way, but that's because they don't think I'm here. I'm in here. They'll be covering the back in a minute just in case you try to run. So you go show your face. I'll get word to you. He hooks a foot out the window. Amanda's with him. She says, you don't have to off his reaction. I'm going with you. He says, no, forget it. I'm going down deep into it's a place you can lose your name, your way, everything. Both sides are going to be shooting real bullets. Alexi thought they, that they'd get me today. He won't miss twice. I don't know how to fight him. I don't even know what he looks like anymore. I can't baby you out there. Lee gets another foot out the window, but Amanda holds him back. The pounding continues. I'm coming. Amanda, I think those agents you spoke of are here. And Amanda says, you won't, you won't have to baby me, Lee Stetson. I'm going to watch your rear the way I always do. Oh, Look, we work best together. You know that. United we stand, divided we fall. Who knows what Alexi has planned. My family could be in danger, and I sure can't help them from an agency holding cell. A beat. Plus, I love you too, you idiot. We belong together. (laughs) I don't see her saying, you idiot. Definitely not. No. The film version is much better. Yeah, and then he says, Lee looks at at her in wonder and surprise. Uh, The look she returns confirms the inevitable but only for a second lee says i guess it's your butt too he helps her out when we get out of this maybe we should look into belonging together permanently amanda says it's a deal i have a little heart there because i thought that was sweet it's yeah. smart of her to recognize that um you end up in a hokey yeah yeah and that she's just going to be stuck and then her family could be in more danger with her being around right yeah. So anyways, in the in the actual film version, we get a much better um, argument from Amanda. Now, wait a minute. You can't just walk into my life. Hand me a package. Tell me to give it to the man in the red hat. Tell me that you love me and walk out of my life again. And then he just kind of is like, no. And then they kiss. They have a nice kiss, which is cute, which wasn't actually missing in the in the script version. And then you hear uh, the guys asking Dottie, have, are you sure you haven't seen her, seen him? She's like, no. And then I like that. She goes, I'm going with you. He goes, no. She goes, yes. He goes, no. She goes, yes. <laughs> and then he gives her that speech about, uh, you know, um, that he can't baby her out there. And she's like, you won't have to. You won't have to. Look, I'm going to watch your tail just like I always do. We work best together as a team. And besides, we don't know what Alexi will do next. It might be dangerous for my family for me to stay here. And I can't do anything from an agency holding cell. And then she says, and I love you too. And then the little smile on his face is so sweet. It's so genuine looking, you know? Mm 
Mm-hmm. And he goes, I guess it's your tale too. And then they, it's so serious and, and like heartwarming. And then she goes over and then slams up against him. And she's like, sorry. And he gives her like a nasty look. It's so funny. Lightens the mood a little bit. Yeah, it makes it. Yeah. So for a heavy moment, it's perfectly timed, like a little comedy. It's kind of cute. So then they uh, get out on the trellis and then he says, I don't think this thing's going to hold us. And she goes, that's what I keep telling the boys. And then it falls. And then you see the agent come around the corner and see it. And he goes, it's them. It's Scarecrow Mrs. King. It's like, yeah, it is. (laughs) That was fun. I like that. Very fun. Exciting. For sure. A very exciting way to open the season. And that's why I think they moved it to this one instead of putting unfinished business here in the order. Personally, I think that's why they did it as a like a big two-parter. You have to see this two-parter, you know, season opener. Um, because think about it. If you were going to watch uh, the season opener and you watch Unfinished Business, you'd be totally left like, mm, that wasn't very good. You know what I mean? It wasn't like, you know what I mean? It was fine. It was a good episode, but it wasn't a pull you, suck you in and pull you into this, this show if you haven't seen it before kind of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyways, that's how that one ends. And I, I do like this one. I think it's good. Yep, it's, it's, good it's a fun one. It's time for videos from the video vault. And we have selected some videos that fit with the episode Stemwinder. The first video is based on the song, Nothing's Gonna Stop Us Now by Starship. Which, if you're from the 80s, that was from the movie Mannequin. So I don't know if uh, Taya remembers that, but definitely a great 80s song. And we can't think of a better song to kick off the Stemwinder series with Lee and Amanda joining forces, both personally and professionally. The video was put together by Westy Ray. The second video is filled with great clips from Stemwinder, put together by SMK Fan 13 and set to the song Against All Odds by Phil Collins. Another classic 80s song, which fits perfectly with this episode, I think. These videos can be found on YouTube, and we provided links on our website at nkcpodcast.com. Mrs. Marston is back with a couple pieces of mail for us today. On our website, Scarlet H. left us a comment on our blog post for the long Christmas Eve. She said, thanks for this. So, um, as always, our blog post includes our fan fiction and video vault write-ups. So, Scarlet, we're glad to hear that you're enjoying uh, those blog posts as resources for various SMK-related fun. And the next piece of mail we have is from Angie C.S. She reached out to us via email. She said, listening to the eyes have it. Always laugh at Amanda driving the gremlin car. My dad bought me a gremlin in high school for $350. It was one ugly car. Mine was blue with a white strip. Looked like... (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) This made me laugh. She said, mine was blue with a white strip and looked like a garbage dumpster. Love the podcast, ladies. Always make me laugh. Thanks, Angie, for sharing that uh, amazing anecdote um, that's hysterical that you called your car a garbage dumpster. I love that. And glad to hear you're enjoying the show. So we always love to hear from our fans and listeners. If you'd like to hear a shout out on the podcast, feel free to reach out to us at our email, um, which is mrskingschronicles at gmail.com, or you can reach out to us on the contact form on our website, uh, which is mkcpodcast.com. Okay. It's time again for Dottie to share a few of her fan fiction recommendations that tie into this episode. 
Her first recommendation is Mending Fences, written by Ayana Tu in June 2009 with about 1,700 words. This is a missing scene on how the author feels Amanda would have dealt with Lee's date with Sonia. Should we say dates, right? Uh, With what he put poor Amanda through, buying her a little tutti frutti is the least he could do. Dottie's second recommendation is Last Dance by Liam Needsom, written in September 2019 and has about 22,000 words. This is part of a larger series. However, this particular story deals with Stemwinder 1 and 2 uh, and starts out with Amanda's feelings while being forced to listen to her partner and significant other seduce a much younger woman. Lee's got some making up to do for sure. We hope you'll check out and enjoy Dottie's recommendations. As always, we'll provide the links on our website at www.mkcpodcast.com in the show notes. Thank you for joining us as we discussed part one of Stemwinder. We look forward to discussing part two in the next podcast and hope you will join us. If you haven't already, join our MKC Facebook group from our detailed discussions and episode information and visit our website, Twitter, and Facebook pages at MKC Podcast. Thank you for being a part of the S. MK family and take care until next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.